Well, all right, we are going to finish our series, a three-week series that we're calling The Main Thing. And uh, it's about our vision statement and about a quote that Stephen Covey made, which is the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And that is such an important concept, especially in the church world, because we can get distracted from the main thing. And that's why we have our vision statement, which is reach up, rise up, reach out. That's the main thing. That's what Good Hope Church is all about. Reach up, a real relationship with the living God is available to you. Rise up, a real relationship with the living God will change you. And reach out, a real relationship with the living God is a call to action. We want to be about connecting with God, growing in our faith, and making a difference in this world. That's what Good Hope Church is all about. That is the main thing. Last week, we talked about how growing in our faith, rising up, naturally leads to reaching out, making a difference. And there's two main ways that that happens. The first way is when we grow in Christ and we start understanding the things of God better, it gives us a heart for other people. We care about other people. We love other people. And it naturally leads us to want to help them. But also when we grow in Christ, it leads us to be more attractive to other people. So instead of being negative and judgmental and angry and nitpicky and wounded and sad and all these different things, we are people who walk by faith and are overcomers and are filled with joy and have the secret of being content in any and every situation. And so that is something that's attractive to people who are caught up in all the anxieties and the difficulties and the fears of this world. They can see that and they can be attracted to that. So then we can help them learn the secrets that we have learned in Christ. So that's how rise up leads into reach out. And today we're going to talk about reaching out during strange times and specifically during this time of greater isolation. These are crazy times. I just read that murder rates are way up in 2020 compared to 2019. One source that I looked at said up to 50% higher murder rate this year than last year. Just let that sink in for a second. I mean, go ahead and Google that. You know, murder rates are up. That's not good. These are weird times. There's lots of isolation. There's lots of fear. It's not a good season right now for people's mental health. It's difficult. So how do we advance the kingdom of God now? How do we reach out? Of course, there is lots of need, but how do we meet that need? Because, you know, church attendance is down. Things are not really working as far as the great big group meetings and stuff like that. That was, you know, the bread and butter a year ago. Now that isn't happening. So what do we do? Well, today I want to issue a call to personal evangelism to individually, personally making a difference for another individual. We need to be individual lights for Christ in this world. It's not right now about the big group meetings. It's about personal connections between people, about individuals being lights for Christ. That's the most effective way to reach out right now. Of course, we're still having church and we need people volunteering in church and serving in church. But in this season, there are people, I tell you what, they're not falling through the cracks. It's big gaping holes. And there needs to be people who go into the world, go into those connections and relationships and be lights for Christ at their workplace, in their families, with whoever they interact with. We need to be individual lights for Christ, reaching 
individuals. And this is, I believe, the hard work of today. You know, some stuff in serving the Lord is easy and some stuff is difficult. Let me read John chapter 4, verses 34 through 38. And uh, Jesus kind of talks about this, and I want to bring it up. So verse 34, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it is still four months until the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you out to reap what you did not work for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. So here we see, you know, Jesus makes a bunch of important points here. But the main point is that the disciples of Jesus were reaping a harvest that other people had worked hard for. And what is the hard work? Well, the hard work is being an individual light for Christ in the world. It's personal evangelism. It's being an example of following Jesus when you're opposed, when people disagree with you just in your daily life. It's about daily living for Christ and being a light for Christ in this world. For example, it's difficult to do personal evangelism compared to just church ministry because you don't know if you're getting anywhere. You know, so many times you end up being rejected or made fun of and these sorts of things as you're trying to represent Christ in this world. But let me just give you an example. Let's say after, you know, a friend of yours you've been sharing your faith with and after three years they finally come to church and then at the end of church they give their life for Christ. You know, they give their life to Christ and, uh, who did that? You know, was, was that me, such a really good altar call? Absolutely not. You know, that was the moment where the harvest came in, but all the hard work, the sowing, the, uh, the work in building that person up was done over that three-year period. And then they just came to church and uh, we got to do the reaping. That's the easy part. So it's you working with the Holy Spirit that does the hard work in that type of a situation. So it's more fun to have a big crowd and everybody is enjoying the moment, but that daily living for Christ and being an example, a light for Christ, one-on-one -on -one personal evangelism is more difficult. It's the hard work that is the sowing of that. So that's just so important. And Jesus here says that the fields are ripe for harvest. It may seem like a difficult time to advance the kingdom of God right now. But I tell you, when people are hurting, it's a great time to introduce them to the Savior. It's a great time to introduce them to their helper, to their deliverer. It's a great time to introduce them to Jesus, but they're probably not going to come to church. They're probably not going to just show up here. They're going to need someone to go to them. So that's why I'm issuing a call to personal evangelism. Let me talk a little bit about my personal story. You know, I didn't come to faith by being in church. I wasn't attending a church. I didn't experience church for a long time after I even came to, to Christ. So church didn't bring me to God, but God brought me to church. So I know the first hand value of personal evangelism 
because that's how I came to faith. One time I was witnessed to on the streets in Chicago by Orville, and he was very unsuccessful. I enjoyed talking to Orville, but I did not get saved. I didn't turn to, to Christ. It was ineffective, but I appreciate that, Orville. Looking forward to meeting you on the streets of gold. Less than a year later, I had another opportunity to be shown the things of God. And, you know, this is kind of a a long story, so I don't want to go into too much detail, but my father-in-law, who just passed away, was the one who shared the gospel with me. And he gave me a Bible to read and put me in the book of Matthew and helped me learn the things of God. And then, of course, God took it from there. So stood up for Jesus, showed me the way and gave me a Bible to read. And then I, uh, you know, I prayed and found the Lord and it was an amazing, wonderful thing. But that happened through personal evangelism. I'd never been to church. I was not going to go to church. If I went to church, it wouldn't have gone very well. If I would have been in church when there's an altar call and people responded, I probably would have thought, what's wrong with these people? (laughs) You know, so it wasn't going to work for me. Personal evangelism and then God meeting me where I was at is what needed to happen for me. And I'm convinced that this world is full of people that need to be reached by individuals, that need to have the gospel brought to them personally and individually. I really felt like the real work back then, and I believe it's still true today, the real work is done in the daily life of the believer. When we come to church, that's like the party that we have to be excited about what God is doing. And we can work together and it's a great way for people to come in and get to know other people, that sort of a thing. But the hard work is day by day living for Christ, being an example for Christ in the outside world. And sometimes people have a bad attitude about church. I know that's how I was. I thought before, I didn't know this scripture, but when I read it after I became a Christian, I thought, yeah, that's got to be still true. In uh, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17, the apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth says, in the following directives, I have no praise for you for your meetings do more harm than good. And I thought, yeah, I think sometimes church meetings do more harm than good. And is that true? It can be. As church leaders, as people who attend church, members of congregations, you need to make sure that you're creating an environment in church that does more good than harm. It is really beneficial to advancing the kingdom of God. But clicky churches full of hypocrites, that is not going to advance the kingdom of God. So we need to make sure that our meetings do good and not harm. So I'm going to do a controversial statement. You ready for my controversial statement of the day? I wrote it down. Here we go. As far as effectiveness for advancing the kingdom, that is making a difference for the kingdom of God, spreading the gospel. As far as that is concerned, I'll take a humble believer who actually lives out the principles of Christianity on a daily basis, but who does not attend a church over a complaining, unhappy church member. I'll take that every time. A person who is living their life for Christ, who is connecting with the good things of God and doing that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, at school, at work, in their family. I'll take that person, even if they don't attend a church for my spiritual fantasy team, because their their numbers are going to be better than the unhappy, complaining, judgmental, hypocritical church member. That person is not going to get much done for the kingdom of God. So 
Let's make sure that we are the type of people who are humbly living our lives for Christ on a daily basis. But this is not an either or. You don't either attend church or live your life for Christ on a daily basis. We can have both of those. In fact, we're supposed to have both of those. And that's where the power is. When you have people who live their lives for Christ, who are lights for Christ in their world, in their sphere, in their circles, their families, their workplaces, their schools, with their friends, when people are living for Christ and they attend church, then we have powerful things going on. So it's not either or. In fact, God brought me to church. I said earlier, church didn't bring me to God. God brought me to church. Personal evangelism brought me to God. The Holy Spirit and God responding to me praying, meeting me where I was at, brought me to God. But then God brought me to church because I saw if I'm going to live my life for Christ, I need to connect with the body of Christ. I need to take my place. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 21 which is in this Bible, it's on the same page as the one I just read, the your meetings do more harm than good. Right over here, 1227 says, now you are the body of Christ, that's the, the plural, and each one of you is a part of it. You know, you can read through the whole chapter 12 there to get a good sense of how it is that we belong to the body of Christ. But an honest believer who is serving the Lord day by day is going to realize that they need to take their place in the large group to be part of what we're doing together. So that's very, very important. God brought me to church. When you look at the scriptures, it's very, very clear. We're called to belong and join together. Don't isolate yourself. This was something that that I stumbled into. It was an error I made in my early faith walk was I kind of ended up isolated because I thought, you know, all these people were doing stuff wrong And so then I kind of isolated myself. Well, we're clearly called to be part of the body of believers who are not perfect. You know, there's all kinds of stuff going wrong. Imperfect people trying to serve God together. We need to come and join up with that and honestly serve the Lord and grow. So when we have humble believers who live it out daily and gather together, that's when we get Matthew 16, 18, a fantastic verse. Matthew 16, 18 says, I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So this church that Jesus is building based on the revelation that he is the son of God, the Messiah, the Christ, that he is the savior, our deliverer, our healer. He is the one who empowers us and baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. We have a savior who will build his church. And that church is made up of believers who live it out daily and who gather together that church the gates of Hades will not overcome. So we are amazingly strong when we work together as honest believers who are living out the ways of God on a daily basis. When we do that, it works out extremely well. So do not isolate yourself out of pride because that's hypocrisy as well. If you look at the church and you say, oh, it's full of hypocrites, so I'm not going to go to church. Well, now you're being a hypocrite because you're thinking you're so spiritually above everybody else, and yet you're denying the scriptures by not connecting with the group. 
So don't isolate yourself out of pride and enter into that type of hypocrisy. Instead, be a humble believer who lives it out daily and works together with other believers. Because mature believers come to church primarily to serve. Now, I hope when you come to church that you get fed as well, that you have a good experience and you're built up. But a mature believer will come to church to serve, not to receive, but to give. Also, an important thing to know is that mature believers will also have their primary spiritual growth times in their personal devotional, personal worship time, personal study time. When they're by themselves, studying the word, praying, having personal worship time, that's when a mature believer grows more so than in church. Now, when I was a new believer and I started going to church, I went to some churches that were fantastic and it was just amazing and it was wonderful. And I was hearing incredible truths about God and I was engaging in worship with the congregation and it was beautiful and wonderful. But then as the years go by, you know, like, oh, there's another sermon on the grace of God. Oh, there's another sermon on walking by faith. Oh, there's another sermon on the sacrifice Jesus made and the honor we should give to him, you know, and you you sort of have heard it. You've been there. You've done that. That if you're noticing that church just isn't doing it for you, that attending church isn't feeding you like it used to, don't get mad at the church. Make sure that you build up your personal devotional time because that's where you'll get fed. And it's a sign that now it's time for you to start serving in church and start reaching out and making a difference in church. And you can do that also in your daily life, of course. But mature believers come to church to serve and their primary way of getting fed is in their devotional time. And if you don't get to the place where you're serving in the kingdom of God and making a difference for the kingdom of God, if several years go by after you become a Christian and you're really not doing anything for others, you're not trying to advance the kingdom of of God, then you're going to get bored and cranky and you're going to be a difficult Christian to be around and a difficult person to be around. So I don't want that for you. So focus on making a difference, trying to help advance the kingdom of God, living out the scriptures on a daily basis and making a difference in this world. Now we want to serve God, but don't carry too heavy of a burden. That's another mistake that I made as an early Christian. I thought it was all up to me. Well, there's 2.3 billion Christians on the planet. Just do your part. We all did our part. It would be super easy. So do your part. Don't carry too heavy of a burden. Hit your sweet spot in serving the Lord. Now we've been talking about gathering together, but unfortunately this is a time where the believers are scattered where the believers aren't meeting together in the same ways. You know, we've got, we've got the COVID thing going on and some people don't want to wear masks and some people don't want to go to a church because there's somebody who isn't wearing a mask. And, uh, you know, it's, there's some people are in vulnerable populations. And just the reality is, is that the believers are more scattered right now than they were a year ago. And how do we advance the kingdom of God when the believers are scattered? Of course, this is personal evangelism. This is being a light for Christ in your daily life. And the reality is, is this is not the first time that the church has been scattered, where the people of God have been spread out. I want to go to the book of Acts and talk about a situation that was even more severe (laughs) than what we're going through right now, much more difficult. This is when the persecution of the church in Jerusalem broke out, 
we're at the stoning of Stephen. Prior to this, there were little bits of persecution that were happening. But in general, the believers were tolerated by society and even embraced by society. But now it's going to turn and there's going to be persecution. So let's go to Acts chapter 7. We'll start in verse 59 and go into chapter 8. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved their killing of him. This Saul is the one who became the Apostle Paul. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. They were not able to stay in Jerusalem because of the persecution. They went out to Judea and to Samaria, to the surrounding regions there. And what did they do? The apostles stayed in Jerusalem. And so it was the others, the non-apostles who went out into Judea and Samaria. What did they do? Verse four, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So they were scattered, but they took the gospel with them. You know, they weren't daunted by the fact that they could no longer gather together like they were before in Jerusalem. Now they just went out and they took the gospel wherever they went. It's a great picture for us. Don't feel bad that we can't gather in the same ways that we have before. Now, I'm very much looking forward to when things get back to normal. So believe with me for things to get back to normal because I like normal. Now, if you're scattered, if you're out in a different place than you were before, Don't fade from God. Don't blame the church for things that are beyond the church's control, but instead bring the gospel with you into your circumstance. That's what happened when the the scattering of the believers happened at the great persecution in Acts chapter eight, the believers brought the gospel with them. Let's look at Philip here as an example Picking it up again at verse 5, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So Philip brought the gospel to this town that he went to. He was scattered to this place. He was fleeing Jerusalem, but he brought the gospel with him into that world and began to share the things of God. And so he basically did two things. He proclaimed Jesus and then he showed amazing signs. There were incredible miracles that happened that there were these Impure spirits that came out, they were paralyzed and lame who were healed. Like, I mean, that's amazing. So it wasn't just that he proclaimed Jesus, but he also showed the signs, the signs of the power of God. Now, I believe in answered prayer. I believe in the miraculous hand of God. And in fact, that's what happened with me. It was the miraculous hand of God, the sharing of the gospel from my father-in-law to me, but then it was God meeting me where I was at with a miracle that made the difference for me. Sometimes there isn't a great miracle, 
Are there other signs that can come with? They paid attention to what Philip had to say because he was proclaiming Christ and because they saw something. They saw these miracles. And I believe for Christians today, I mean, go ahead and pray for people. When God does a miracle, it definitely affects that person. But there's another sign that we need to have in today's world, and that is godly character. When we live our lives, not just proclaiming Jesus, but also living with godly character, that's a sign to people that will help them trust what we say. If in the midst of a global pandemic, we are full of peace and faith that God will see us through, then we're living in godly character. If we're just as terrified and afraid as everybody else, then we're missing something in our connection with God. And why would somebody listen to us? Why would they say, oh yeah, I, I want to understand what gives you your anxiety and I want to live for that. You know, They're not going to want that. It doesn't even make any sense. We need to have godly character, be receiving the good things of God and demonstrating those things to the world. And one of those is just in our hearts, having security in Christ and living for Christ and having those things inside of us is a sign to the world. But if we're unhappy, angry, judgmental, clicky, you know, don't like anybody, we're that sort of person plus we're full of anxiety and depression and that's not going to do any good. You know, if Philip had gone and preached, but there were no signs, it wouldn't have worked like it did. There were signs. Now I believe in miraculous signs, but I also believe in godly character as a sign to this world of the power of God. So live in godly character, strive to grow in your relationship with God so that you can live that life. So let's put this example of Philip into practice. Take the gospel with you wherever you go. Just take the gospel with you. What does that look like? Well, if you grew up in church, you know, I didn't grow up in church. And uh, as I've become part of church, I've noticed that there's a vulnerability to people who grew up in church. Some people who grew up in church are vulnerable to double life syndrome. I don't know what you want to call it, but, you know, they act a certain way in church and they act a different way everywhere else. You know, when they're around Christian people, they know how to how to do that. And then in outside world, you know, they know how to do that too, but they have this double life thing going on. And that's something that, you know, before I became a Christian, didn't have a whole lot of experience with that sort of thing. People were who they were, you know, and, and you were who you were, wherever you went. But in some Christian circles, there's your church personality. And then there's your outside of church personality. And that double life is a bad thing. You don't want to be doing that. You want to basically have a real relationship with God. You embrace daily living for Christ. You be growing in Christ, growing in your faith. And then you just share the things of God with other people. It's pretty straightforward. You know, have that connection with God, build that connection with God, be learning how to live for Christ, be growing in that. And then just share the things of God with people when it comes up, you know, when the opportunities are there, it's really not that complicated. But if you're living this way in church and this way when you're not in church, then that just messes everything up and it doesn't work. And I'd rather have somebody not be in church, but live for God than somebody who is two-faced. They're one way in church and they're another way outside living a double life, which is hypocrisy. Let's not do that. Let's live for Christ. Let's do personal evangelism by just living for the Lord in our daily life. And then it's naturally going to come. So let me ask you this question. 
Do you know someone who needs hope, who needs peace, who needs a sense of security, who needs joy, who needs a fresh start in life right now? Do you know someone who needs that? Well, if you have that in Christ, then share the secret with them. It's going to help them to be able to have joy in Christ. It's going to help them to be able to feel secure in Christ. It's going to help them. So share that secret with them. Now, if you're a Christian and you don't have hope, you don't have a sense of security, you don't have joy or peace or purpose, then you got to go get that. Don't just settle for the double life where you know you're supposed to say, oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You know, I've got no joy, but I'm just going to pretend that that's working out. Don't settle for that. Go get you some joy. It's, it's there for the taking. You might have to fight a giant to get it. You know, the promised land is there for us and we've got giants to fight to get there. It doesn't just automatically happen. We've got to fight giants. You know, you've got to fight through things to get to the joy of the Lord, but fight to get there. Don't just pretend and live a double life. That doesn't work. Go and receive yourself and then you can share with other people. That's so important. All right. I want to read one more section of scripture from Colossians chapter four. So Colossians chapter four is just an amazing section of scripture here. We're going to read verses two through six. And this is talking about living for Christ and none of the situations are in church. So Colossians four verses two through six, it says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. So here, Paul is going to proclaim the mystery of Christ, but he's in prison. Is this going to happen at church? No, it's not going to happen in a Christian gathering. It's going to happen in the prison from a prisoner. Verse four, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should and be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. So here, verse five, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. So this is talking about daily life, interacting with people, not at church, but in your regular life and how to do that. Make the most of every opportunity. Be wise in the way you act. Again, as a Christian, we need to take very seriously the responsibility we have as someone who is representing God in the eyes of other people. It doesn't matter if you want to be a representative of Christ. If you claim to be a Christian, other people know you're a Christian. They will watch how you behave and take you as an example of someone who is fully committed to Jesus. So you have a responsibility to be a good ambassador for Christ, not a bad ambassador for Christ. So be wise in how you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. The harvest is plentiful. There is Lots of opportunity right now because people are hurting. People feel alone. People need the Lord right now. And we need to share that with them through personal evangelism. So just a personal witness, just talking about Jesus with people. We need to do that, but we need to be wise how we act towards outsiders. And then verse six, let your conversation always full of grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer everyone. So full of grace. 
gracious words, kind words, good words that help seasoned with salt. I think what that means is palatable. The words taste good, you know, full of grace and palatable seasoned with salt, pleasant to experience. So we want to be ready to share the good things that God has done for us. So these verses that we read in Colossians are talking about personal evangelism. Paul's not preaching in church. He's going to proclaim the gospel as a prisoner. His directives are not about how to act in church. It's about how to act in the outside. So we need to be wise in how we act so we can make the most of every opportunity. And let me tell you, every crisis is an opportunity. Right now, there are people who are desperately looking for something to help them. And I know Jesus will help them. I know the Lord is there for them. He loves them and he wants to help them. And we just need to introduce the two, introduce the person to Jesus. We just need to help that. If we carry peace and security and the love of Christ into this world, good things will come. So watch the way you talk, watch the way you post, speak gracefully and palatably. I want to pray for us to be ready to make the most of every opportunity, to see the opportunities and to act on those opportunities. You know, it's not as scary as it may seem. I'm not asking you to memorize some way to convince people that Christianity is true. I just want you to connect with God, be growing in your faith, and then share the things of God with other people, the things that God's doing for you, the things that you're learning, the way that you came to peace with the situation, whatever it is, just be real with people. Don't learn some made up thing and then try to convince people with it. Just live your life with the Lord and let that go to other people. Share it with others. So if you haven't started a relationship with Jesus and you would like to do that, I want to help you with that. I'd appreciate it if you'd shoot me an email. I'm Pastor Mike at goodhope.ag. So if you just shoot me an email, I'll help you in the process of coming to Jesus. If you have questions, anything like that, shoot me an email. I'd love to talk to you about that. But for the believers, let's pray to be lights for Jesus in this world by personally representing him in our daily life. So pray with me if you would. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you, Lord, that you have an answer for this world. And thank you, Lord, that we don't have to wait four months for the harvest, but that the field is ripe for the harvest, that the sowing and the reaping is happening at the same time. Lord, help us to be willing to do both, willing to sow the seed and not see the return, but to sow the seed, to put your truth out there, to live for you on a daily basis, even when we end up being made fun of, even when we are rejected. But Lord, let us do so gracefully. Let us do so seasoned with salt, Lord, palatably. Lord, help us to represent you in the right ways so that we're sowing good seed. And Father, also help us to see the opportunities to bring in a harvest when someone is ready to be introduced to you and they're ready to make that connection, Lord, help us to see it so that we can introduce you to that person. Let us make the most of every opportunity because this world is full of hurting people, full of lonely people, full of people that need you. And so father, help us help your people to live as lights for you in this world and help as many people find you as we possibly can. So Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for bringing us into your family. 
And again, we ask that you would help us bring more into your family as well. So bless us and encourage us with that. In Jesus' name, amen.